This is Joshua Badu and Jeremiah Tia, your pastoral performance coaches, and you're listening to the 100X Dude podcast, your weekly dose of how to 100X your life. Thank you for tuning in. And today we're going to be diving into part two of the emotional intelligence series. And today we're diving into emotion, sorry, self-management. Jeremiah, how are you doing today? I'm feeling great and excited as usual and can't wait to share more about the emotional intelligence domain and competency regarding emotional self-control. 100%. So I know there's about three main points that we, we want to introduce today that you have to share with us, plus many more things that we may be diving into in the midst of today's podcast. But can you give us a bit of a, a brief um, summary? What are the three things that are going to be diving in today? So in today's episode, we are in going into the exploration of emotion self-control and learn how can we implement healthier, effective emotion self-control in terms of anger, sadness, and joy. Anger, sadness, and joy. Now, when you first told me uh, those three areas, one, I know many people uh, <laughs> suffer from what we would call road rage, right? People jump on the roads, and before you know it, it's like a different person takes over them and have a lot of rage, a lot of anger. So yeah. to, me was, is, to me, it's curious to know that I think our society sometimes does suffer, suffer with a lot of anger. Not just that, but you know, we're in times now where mental health is can be crises where uh, boys are more likely to commit suicide than girls and um, depression, anxiety, all these things are very high. And I think a lot of these things can also, can also be equated to sadness. And then ultimately joy, we all want to live a, a happy life as well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that joy is something as well that we're looking to try to provide information about today. Where, where is the first place to start in regards to anger, sadness, and joy? What is it that we need to know about these things? Yeah, I mean, definitely, as we kept the previous episode, we can't have effective emotion self-control without effective emotion self-awareness. So as a recap, self-awareness is the foundation, fundamental towards greater emotional intelligence that is through greater emotion self-control because you are only able to grow and manage what you're aware of. Say, for example, if I'm not even aware I have anger management, then I would not even pay attention or be intentional to be careful about my anger outbursts that might hurt people around me. So I would say as a reminder, emotional self-awareness, you got to ask yourself, right, what are your strengths and weaknesses when it comes to your emotions? Do you know your emotions well? If so, are you like applying um, strategies to you know, have healthier emotional display in daily conversations? A hundred percent. You're right. Great to recap in regards to last week. Awareness is where it begins. If you're not even able to admit or be aware of areas where you may be potentially falling, then how are you mm -hmm. going to be able to get on top of it to begin to try to manage it in a better way? So I, I love what you said there. So what's the next step in regards to us? What do you want to share with us today in regards to those three areas? Yes, I want to share an area of my struggle that happened yesterday. That is anger, anger management. Um, so two things that happened yesterday. First thing first, I was doing Uber, you know, in my free time as well, getting to meet people and just, um, you know, having that adventure of having conversations and learning. And honestly, right, you know, objectively speaking and humbly speaking, I'm not a man of like easy anger, meaning that I could normally control my anger pretty well, but it's so different on the road 
because time is money. And sometimes the road is full of cars and like um, outrageously um, expressive drivers, if I could say that. Um, and that really takes the self-control in the emotions of anger. So that's number one, right? Um, how do we control our anger? Say we are on a road rage when we're driving. And I learned something actually from my passenger yesterday. Uh, she could sense that the frustration is coming in because of the traffic and the hot weather. And she said, take a deep breath. All right, let's take a deep breath. And she's an old lady of full of wisdom. And she is great in that counseling and coaching. Coaching me, right? I'm a life coach. And she's coaching me through the conversation. And that is fantastic. So that's number one I learned about you no know, anger management as one example. But what about you, Josh? Like, um, say when it comes to anger management, honestly, Josh, knowing you as a mate for that long over the past year, you always strike to me as a man of great control over your anger. I have never seen you angry before in a you know, crazy manner. I hope I will never to because I don't want to incur off. But yeah, tell me, tell me, tell us more as well. What about your um, challenge with or experience with anger? Yeah, well, I have a funny theory that some of the most uh, patient and calm people actually have the biggest angers because they hold it down for so long that when they blow, it's like a volcano. Um, right. and, but with me, though, I find that the things that tend to make me angry is what I refer to as dis disrespect. If I believe that someone is looking down on me, those are, tend to be things that make me feel quite upset and quite, those are my pet peeves, uh, if not. Uh, that being said, I think there is uh, quite a few, uh, I guess, exercises and things we can remember for when we are in those moments. Um, because studies show that when you are reaching those moments of anger, you're reaching to the fight or flight mode, fight, flight, or freeze, where yeah. your cerebral cortex is turning off and instead the emotional um, more primitive part of your brain starts to, to starts to run and take over. Now, this is a, a, a terrible moment to make decisions because the decisions you begin to make can be very um, impulsive and things you may regret in the future. And one of the things I think that the, the wise elderly woman said to you was taking a deep breath. So one of the things I always remind myself is whenever I am feeling very flustered, even though it may feel weird, I may feel like, you know, this is some kind of a wooey Zen kind of stuff. I remind myself to take that deep breath. Um, and if I need some time to, you know, isolate myself from the situation, come back and think of it again with a clear mind, I'll be sure to do so. So I tend to find that those things are usually what I'm doing when in situations where someone may have, I feel insulted or disrespected me because those tend to be my pet peeves. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. And honestly, with greater self-control of emotions, often it leads to effective decision-making that you make the right decisions, not just for yourself. It might be for your company or your family because every person's actions does affect people around us. And another thing I will add on is to think about from two perspectives, right? I will touch on the irrational perspective because normally irrationality is connotated and aligned to emotions because when we make emotions say shopping right we don't shop because we thought about or oh, something we need a lot of times we don't buy things we need we buy things we want and that's the emotional desire so coming from, from that perspective right if we look from an irrational perspective we got to ask ourselves okay 
if I have this outburst in my emotion, what will it cause in the emotions of other people that I love and care about or my friends? How would they feel? How would they manage or receive the emotions? Do I want them, if I put myself in their shoes, right? Will I want to have the negative emotion outburst towards me? Mm. So in conclusion for this point, if we go from emotional, irrational perspective, we got to put ourselves in other shoes and think about the emotional reception that we will receive if it's negative situation. Yes, 100%. And I think a great way to do that is to remind ourselves of pre-plan. Many times what happens is we walk into situations and be, become reactive because we're experiencing things we never experienced before. It's very hard to adapt to situations that you don't know are about to happen. However, when you have either been in a situation before, so now you have a bit of experience, or you take some time to pre-plan what you expect to happen and how you will react, you're in a much better position to control your to control your emotions in that period. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Know what are your go-to moves of how to respond and how to uh, navigate a, a tense situation you're in. And to me, what's what's funny is I think most people tend to have those aggressive moments while they are on the road. I remember even growing up as a, a, in my um, childhood years and when my dad was driving on the road, I never truly understood this, but he was someone who, when it came to being on the road in other cars and dealing with people cutting him off or whatever, he would react quite aggressively. And I remember my wow. mom always telling him like, no, calm down. It's okay. It's not worth it. But people tend to get much more aggressive in their car. And it's funny that even hearing your story as well, that that seems to be where the frustration was coming from. It was on the road. Can you believe it? Yes. And I want to add on as well, right? If someone is angry at you, don't tell the person to calm down because often it's like, imagine, don't think about the pink elephant in the room. The more you say that, you'll think, oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm, don't think about the pink elephant. And that visualization will appear. In the same way, when we do with people, right? If an angry, angry person is coming towards you, Never tell the person, don't be angry, because the more you say that, it's going to be counter-effective. Mm, very true. So anger is one of the, one of the more volatile um, emotions that can come about throughout our day. What can we say in regards to sadness and how mm -hmm. we begin to manage that kind of um, emotion in our lives? Yes. So regarding to sadness, right? once again, it's very normal and okay to be sad because we are human beings. It's not to say we have always to be upbeat, energetic, high energy. There are moments in life where we will grieve, we will moan because of maybe the death of our loved one. And um, just like COVID-19 happened, you know, the lockdown bring down the emotional um, positivity in us. It's very normal to feel sad, or feel like I, I just feel lousy for the day, right? In other words. Yeah. But one way to cope with that emotional self-control sadness is gratitude. Gratitude really brings about a mental paradigm shift because when we focus, I love this um, as being spoken, I might have spoken in other episodes before, but I always love leadership strategies, Greg McKeon, um, who says that when we focus on what we lack, we lose what we have. Then mm. in that sense, we are getting uh, more like sadder and just, just feeling negative, more negative. 
But if we focus on what we have, the possessions, the blessings, the good things in life, we gain what we lack. Say we lack, maybe we lack like job opportunities, we lack um, favors, but honestly, what attracts favor and clients' confidence in you is your high energy, your confidence, your positive side of life. And with that focus, right, uh, with gratitude coming back, gratitude, being grateful for what you have, being thankful for the good things you have, that will actually put down the sadness and help you to elevate yourself in an authentic, genuine way. That's not fake. That's not superficial. 100%. And I know uh, one of the things I remember Tony Robbins says is, you know, knowledge is amazing, but knowledge is really only half the battle. What really takes you the, the whole way is when you execute. And I think a lot of yeah. people have maybe heard the message of, you know, be grateful for what you have. But how often do you really see people live it? Where they're, mm. they're always reminding themselves. That's why for me... What I like to do is my 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 devotion practice in the morning where I meditate. I, I thank God. I think about what it is in my life that I'm appreciative of, appreciative of because it just starts me off in a great, it starts the day off in a great way for me. And some of the people I've met throughout my life who are the most joyous people. And it's funny that the sadness and joy kind of a um, bit of a contrast, like one kind of almost uh, balances out the other. The, some yeah. of the happiest people I, I've met in my life when I see how they are, it kind of also inspires me to say, what is it that they have? It becomes contagious. You kind of think to yourself, what is it that they know that I don't know? So not only are you bringing more joy and decreasing your sadness, but it's also infectious. You begin to rub off on other people. Um, I'm curious, people that you've maybe met in your life, Jeremiah, is there people in your life who you've thought to yourself, why are they always so say joyous or they don't seem to ever be down that much is there people in, the, in your life who remind you of that person yes definitely i think um say church leaders back home in singapore where i was born and raised some of them are naturally joyous even though life is hard they are parents to many kids but they always bring the light-heartedness the room and environment the energy is so contagious the happiness the joyous um, vibes they they elicit is so contagious. Mm. So I think when I, as a young Christian, as a young Christian leader, I was asking like, what makes you joyful? You have four kids, come on. Like they are giving you nightmares every day as parents. Some of you are listening to this, you will agree and conquer with it that as parents, not easy. I'm not a parent yet, but I have older siblings who are parents to like two kids, each of them. And I see the way they handle parenting so hard and torturous, but in a good way, right? That comes with growth. But coming back is really, they said that it's just being grateful that God has given them children. Because for many couples, even giving birth is not a natural process. It's not a possible procedure just because the biology couldn't allow um, no pregnancy in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And... The, the power of gratitude could even really change around relationships. It can change around marriages. Um, uh, you hear testimonies and stories of uh, wives and husbands being on the verge of divorce and completely seeing things from different points of view of he's not here enough to take care of the kids. And maybe he's thinking, oh, she doesn't appreciate my business. But when they go into, say, marriage counseling, one of the things they'll ask them, ask them is, what is the benefits of mm -hmm. your husband working so hard? 
or what is the benefits of your wife making sure that the the house is taken care of and the kids are you know well prepared for school or whatnot and these roles can switch around it might be the the husbands or the wife in a different situation but when they take the time to truly reflect and say what are the great things about it it completely has what you said that mindset paradigm shift where they begin to mm-hmm. appreciate and begin to even create better connections with their significant other but it comes from making that conscious decision that I'm going to intentionally try to find what are the blessings within this situation. Cause you can always yeah. find the bad, but you can also always find the good. And if you're right. intentional, exactly. <laughs> if you're intentional in doing that, you are bound to find things that you can be grateful about. Yeah, it's exactly. It's what you feel attract what you think as well. Like if you feel sad, you will attract the sad thoughts and the, 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 mental um, battles were inclined to the feelings you embrace i'm not saying again right it's normal to be sad but there's always a choice there's always ability in your hands to manage the sadness and not let it overwhelm you and allow it to connect with people but doesn't devastate you yeah that is once again gratitude is such a great tool uh, that can help you to realign reassess calibrate the management of the sadness and turn it into something positive to minister to people or to encourage people around you to show greater empathy. Yeah. A hundred percent in the spirit of talking about, I know it's almost uh, contradictory not contradictory, but it's almost a contrast that when you are living with more joy, you're almost eliminating the sadness. And when you're living and when you're eliminating mm-hmm. the sadness, you might also be gaining more joy. Is there yeah. other areas or other exercises you believe can help those to minimize their their sadness or to maximize their joy um another way right because gratitude is a very self-reflect reflecting exercise another way is to really talk to someone you trust that is a close friend or close family member or like a professional therapist because what you're feeling inside if you don't take care of it, especially negative thoughts or negative emotions, it can really devour you over time. So I will say the second tip, uh, apart from gratitude, is to really find your close friend who you can trust, family members who you can trust again, and a profet- or a professional therapist. I remember like years ago, um, you know, in the season of depression, what got me through and with healthier emotional self-control is really to have an honest chat with a professional psychiatrist and just break down, just be honest, find the clarity of the words and expression, and then moving on um, through the quicksand experience and to climb, my, to climb my way out, not because of my effort, but someone is pulling me out of that quicksand. Mm. That is my own analogy for my own depression experience. But that one hand coming for you is so important and helpful. Interesting. And- so I'm glad to hear about you talking about that psychology, that therapy experience. And not everyone is a good candidate for being the one to go to, to talk to. Not everyone may be able to handle the news that you're trying to d- deliver and to be able to help yeah. you through that quicksand moment. Are there certain traits you would you found in that psychologist um, or a therapist that you think um, when you are looking for someone to listen to you, you should look out for? Yes. You should look out for people who want to listen to you before they speak. 
who cares to listen to what you're feeling and thinking before they share what they think. Because oftentimes, it's not really the answers from their mouth. It's just the assurance that there's someone loving you, being there for you when you need. So a quick tip as well, if you are trying to comfort someone who is feeling extreme sadness, don't try to offer solutions. Just be there for the person. Be a good listener here. And also ask questions that allow the person to share more of how he or she is feeling. That opportunity and space is tremendously helpful for the person's recovery and self-management of emotions. That's a very funny thing because I think it's very natural for people to try to offer a solution. They're thinking that the, the key to solving the problem is what's going to bring back the uh, emotional um, regulation. But sometimes it's just, it's just being present in that moment. That's all they really need. And I've had to, at times when someone's talking to me, really remind myself that, you know what? Sometimes it's best when there is no answer because then you have no way to try to offer a solution. You have nothing else but to do to say, hey, I'm here with you in this moment. Let's, let's go through this together. Because even like the saying goes, misery likes company. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> if you're miserable, all you want is some company. If you have some company, then that's enough to help you get through that season. And then you can go to exactly. the next level. So for me, what I would ask for you, Jeremiah, to share with those listening is what would be some of the, the key, um, maybe not exercises, but how can we begin to take this and apply it to their own lives? What would you say in regards to um, anger, in regards to joy, in regards to sadness? How can we make sure that we can leave it with uh, listeners for how they can now begin to apply it in their lives? Hmm. Before I share a few tips in general regarding the three emotions as mentioned, I'll go into joy um, just in simple like two minutes elaboration. Why is it important to manage joy? Because sometimes an over display of joy, it is counter effective for your own well-being in terms of relationship with people. Say for example, right, if you have a close friend that is um, just like, maybe had a poor performance in academic grades and you came out top three in ranking. Great, good on you, I'm happy for you. But at that moment when you're with your friend, are you immersed in your own joyful experience or are you aware of your friend's negative, disappointing experience? And when it comes to emotional intelligence, emotional self-control, remember, it's not just about you. It's about people around you. Why are we focusing on personal and self-development first? Because so that we are more able to help others. It's not about us. It's about people around us. So for joy, um, I would say that is the, um, the part we need to be aware, not to display too much joy and to destroy the other person in the process. Yes. Mm, I, I love what you're saying. It's not just about yourself, but about those around you. And, you know, there is a time for joy and for happiness and for celebration, but there's also a time for, for mourning and for, you know, taking time to reflect and to be sober. And mm -hmm. when you are looking to be emotionally intelligent, realizing that there's actually a time to maybe hold back on certain attributes, even if it is positive for you, because it might be debilitating for someone else in that moment. And you might want to pick your spots. So thank you for sharing that. If we are to make this 
in a practical way for someone who's listening right now to say, okay, these are some things that I'm going to try to now challenge myself in doing. What would you challenge those listening to start doing and how would they begin to do so? Mm. One final tip for, I mean, we talk about like deep breathing. We talk about uh, gratitude. We talk about talking to close friend, um, psychiatrist, uh, therapist, and we talk about being aware of other people's emotions. But I would say one final tip in conclusion for all these emotions explained and explored is take it slow before you go, <laughs> right? <laughs> take it slow before you say something, before you do something, take it slow, think through before you speak, right? Always problems happen more often than not. Um, it's because we are too fast in what we say and what we do. Of course, right, to swing to the other side, when you take no actions, again, it's bad. But I would say take it slow. It gives you the freedom and the, the least amount of stress to help people around you and also to not create too much of the emotional burden on yourself. For example, right, if I am feeling, let's say joy, right, extreme joy, great. Take it slow and kind of think about, wow, why am I feeling so happy? Why is that important? Because you're growing your self-awareness of why or where your joy comes from. So if your joy comes from money, at least you know it comes from money. If your joy comes from achievement, great. If your joy comes from your relationship with God and Jesus Christ, great. The key thing is self-awareness, right? When you have your next joyous moment, ask yourself, where does the joy come from? And is it a short-term joy? Or is it a long-term joy? Is it something that gives you like great fulfillment or is it just a facade and um, you know, materialistic one? All this will be important when we look at future episodes about healthy achievement, orientation, positive outlook. But I would say coming back, take it slow before you go. Thank you for that, Jeremiah. I know 100% that I'm going to be able to take it slow before I go and find out yeah, where, are, where is my joy coming from? And is these long-term joys or even short-term joys? And how can I make sure that I'm maximizing it so that's going to be a long-term joy in the long run? So ultimately, guys, we know that those who are listening now, um, that there's great tips that you can receive from this. And we want to let you know that if you want to receive more, check us out on our social media platforms, 100X Dudes, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, we're on basically all major platforms, TikTok. I know for some of the young kids out there doing your texting and talks, Okay, 100x dudes, you want to li listen to more of us talking about what it is that we're providing here in regards to emotional, mental health, physical health, and all these other different areas. And we want to thank you for listening today. Remember, if you truly want to change your life, change the lives of those around you. This is the 100x dudes podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care and be awesome.